1: I remember my son saying to me one day when he'd, both of them came home also, Eric, without a word of English and it wasn't long after our son got home and um, you know, he said to me, what took you so long to get me, you know this is in translation, what took you so long to come and get me and I said, oh you know we have to wait six years, it was so hard for us and I started talking about what a long, hard journey and he just looked at me and he said, you think that six years was long for you? He said, imagine what it was like for me.
0: Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through. Helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's Real People, Real Life and Real Faith
2: with Eric Scatterbo. Well, recently on the program, we spoke with Chloe Hayden and her mother, Sarah. Chloe's an advocate for young people diagnosed with Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, and is a guest speaker at many schools and events across Australia. Her mother, Sarah, is a social worker specializing in autism with her office located in Geelong. Today, we've invited Sarah back to tell us about two of her other children, specifically the two children that she and her husband adopted from Taiwan. She'll share their adoption journey and some of the joys and challenges they've faced. Sarah Hayden, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Eric. It's great to be back.
2: Glad to have you with us once again. And before we start to chat about your adoption journey, can you give us an update on how Chloe's doing?
1: I certainly can. So since Chloe spoke to you last, Mm -hmm. she has represented Australia in the worlds for Extreme Cowboys, which is the horse riding that she does. She went to Texas by herself for a couple of months, which was a huge step for her and for us as a family. And um, she did Australia proud. She did a fantastic job over there. And uh, since coming back, she's been doing a lot of work in um, film and television, which Mm -hmm. is a real passion of hers.
2: Yeah, and getting some international press coverage, I understand.
1: Absolutely, she has. She's just had an interview with Teen Vogue USA this weekend. Um, She has had recent newspaper articles in The Guardian UK. She's got a massive following on TikTok, which often gets into the millions of views. And, um, yeah, really using her voice and has got a great platform for being able to advocate for the things that she's passionate about, which is, yeah, mainly autism awareness, so doing a fantastic job there. We're super, super proud.
2: Yeah, and meanwhile, she is involved in the praise and worship at her church, is that right?
1: She absolutely is, yes. I think probably the proudest mum moment for me, it doesn't matter how many millions of people she gets watching her or liking her YouTube and TikToks that she does, I think for me, my proudest moment is on a Sunday when we mm-hmm. actually see her worshiping in church yeah. For, yeah. for our God, because that, that just trumps everything for us, and yeah, she's yeah. a passionate Worshiper, It's, yeah, something that she just adores doing, just standing on stage and just giving all for for the glory of God is just our favorite part of the week. It's amazing.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. So, Chloe's going from strength to strength, and you have two other biological children?
1: I do, absolutely. We've got five children all together. We've got three biological kids, which are 23, 19, and 16, and then we've got our two littleies, who were both adopted from Taiwan, who are now 12 and 9. So, yeah, age gap of sort of from 23 to 9 across five kids.
2: Okay, and your adopted children is what we want to focus on today. Tell us, how did this whole adoption journey start?
1: Great question, Eric. I think my adoption journey started when I was a very young child. Uh, for some reason, I, I always say I was born wanting to adopt. I'm not quite sure where it came from, and my huh. parents never knew where it came from. It was something that I just had placed on my heart, and yeah. I think now I realised it was obviously something that God placed in my yeah. heart from a very uh-huh. young age because... From a young child, I would tell my parents all the time that one day I was going to adopt a baby from overseas. And I can still remember when my mother would buy me baby dolls. I would always ask for the colored doll and say that it was my adopted baby. And it's funny because I was just adamant from a very young age that that would be part of how I'd form my family. I always also wanted biological kids, but I just had it in my heart since I was very young that I would one day be adopting from overseas and it was um, it was a real yearning and it was something that I wasn't prepared to give up on. And when I married my wonderful long-suffering husband, <laughs> Ronnie, uh, 23 years ago, you know, I sort of said to him at those early stages, he'd, he'd not long come over from Ireland and was from a very large Irish Catholic family mm-hmm. and was hopeful yeah. that we would have many, many children. And I explained to him that we would be having some biological children, and then we started adopting. And it it took him quite a few years, Eric, to get on board with that. Yeah,
2: so. I was wondering, what was his reaction?
1: Yeah, so his reaction was a little bit more, you know, we can have a dozen children biologically of our own. He sort of a, you know, always envisioned a very big yeah. Irish Catholic family, mm-hmm. I think. So to be honest, it was something that we struggled with for a few years because he, he just wasn't on board. It was something that, you know, I knew in my heart of hearts, and I was adamant that that would be the way that my family would be formed and it was something that I wasn't able to negotiate on or let up on and for the first few years of our marriage you know we had our first three children and he was quite happy he loves kids Mm loves being a dad loves our family was quite happy for us to keep going but I was adamant then that we'd had our three biological kids and now I was ready to begin our adoption journey and I guess It's something that he used to get quite upset with me about because I would hound him regularly. I'd pass him all of the paperwork (laughs) to help me fill out. I'd be getting him to read and watch and listen to everything I could in an attempt to persuade him. And I remember clearly one day he said to me, you can't persuade me to adopt children if I don't feel like I can't. Then you don't ever want to persuade somebody to adopt Mm. if they're not willing already because it's not fair to the kids and it's not fair to the family. Yeah you know, you need to stop talking about it. And it was a real, I guess, faith moment for me where I had to respect and obey my husband's wishes and I did understand mm-hmm. and I yep. had a real sense that, you know, he's right that you can't... It's not persuading somebody to go and adopt a kitten that they're not going to like. I mean, these are children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, if he's adamant that he can't, I found myself sort of questioning, well, why have I always wanted to do this? And the yearning for me never went away. And... um it was actually our 10th wedding anniversary. I can remember it like yesterday, and he usually spoilt me rotten and bought lots of presents every wedding anniversary, which is Valentine's Day as well. We got married on. Oh, okay. And he, um, he gave me a card for our 10th our wedding anniversary, and there was nothing in it except for the words that he was ready to adopt. And we hadn't spoken about it for a couple of years. At that time, I'd, I'd stopped nagging him. Um, mm-hmm. And he had very strongly felt that yes, this is what we're going to do, and I'm ready to do it. And it was nothing to do with me begging or persuading or, you know, coaxing oh. him. He just made that decision. And again, you know, I think only God can change somebody's heart. that strongly yep. to yep. go from being so adamant. So that day um, on our 10th wedding anniversary, we began the process of adoption. Mm-hmm. At that stage in Australia, I had no idea really about, what we were to be expecting intercountry adoption in Australia is certainly not something very common. There is very few adoptions in Victoria each year through inter-country adoption. Mm-hmm. We didn't personally know anyone that had adopted through intercountry, country and um, we were not prepared at all for the process or how long it was going to take, despite the fact I've had my heart set on it forever.
2: So that was the beginning of starting the process. Can we just go back a moment and I'm wondering, like, you had this yearning in your heart since you were a little girl. Do you think it was, at the heart of it, was wanting to help somebody less fortunate? You know, was that part of it?
1: Absolutely. So, for me, um, you know, obviously I was blessed. Unlike a lot of people who turned to adoption, I was able to have biological children, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very thankful for. Yeah. As you said earlier, I'm a social worker.
3: Before mm, yep. I
1: studied social work, I'd studied nursing and midwifery. I think I was born obviously to to serve and and help other people and I have a real yearning and a real passion to, you know, for social justice and to help those yep. that are less fortunate. Yeah. And I think for me, yes, I've always wanted a big family. I adore kids. I love having lots of people around me and I love big families, but yeah. I also strongly felt such a sense of injustice that there were children in the world that didn't have forever family mm. and those children deserve to have a forever family. And, you know, while I also feel strongly that inter-country adoption is very much a last resort, I think, you know, all children should be able to stay in the country of their birth if that's something that's appropriate mm-hmm. for that child. Yeah. Um, that's obviously the very first, I mean, the very first choice is to stay with their biological family. The second choice is to stay with their country of birth. And obviously the third and final is to seek a family that's outside of that country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I just felt really strongly that there was um, so many children in overseas orphanages that were just desperate for, mm. you know, forever families.
3: That yeah.
1: All avenues had been exhausted within the country to adopt them out or place them out, and that wasn't possible. And so, you know, I was happy to be that last resort. And mm. so for us, it was not so much about forming a family, Mm -hmm. as providing a family for children who who needed it so that was i think my motivation for adopting Mm -hmm. and certainly when ronnie had come around to it in the end he really understood and it's funny you know it took him 10 years to come around but when he came around his heart for adoption was as big and strong as what mine was and we you know were able to really push through it together which is what you have to do because the process is just unbelievable
2: Our guest today is Sarah Hayden from Geelong, who's sharing with us her and her husband Ronnie's adoption journey. And as she just mentioned, it was a difficult process, taking six years of filling out forms and having a psychiatric evaluation, not to mention the costs involved, but ultimately they were successful and were able to adopt two children from Taiwan. We'll find out about that and more when we return right here on Real Faith
0: looking for resources to grow your faith check out vision christian store with books movies audio cds dvd resources and more plus free delivery on orders over fifty dollars see visionstore.org.au you're listening to real faith conversations with real people about how god works in their lives If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au.
2: Welcome back. I'm Eric Skadabo, and our guest today is Sarah Hayden from Geelong. She's sharing with us her and her husband, Ronnie's adoption journey, and some of the challenges they faced along the way. As she shared before the break, it was a long, difficult journey taking six years before they were able to adopt their first child. Now we're going to find out how it all came about.
1: We'd been approved for a sibling group of three from the Philippines, which Yeah, we were super excited about. And our file had been sent over finally after, you know, many years of hurdles and all of the rest of it. Mm -hmm. We were finally approved for a sibling group of three. So we began learning a little bit of Tagalog. We got connected with other Filipino families. Mm -hmm. I started learning how to cook Filipino food. Oh, Um, And we, you know, became more things Philippines. Yeah. Then out of the blue, one day we got a phone call from our social worker to say, hey, I know that you have thought you were getting a sibling group of three from the Philippines however would you consider a child from Taiwan so after all these years of you know preparing and thinking that that's, that's a whole where different cuisine <laughs> we were going to go you know, I hadn't learned any Mandarin I hadn't learned how yeah. to cook the Taiwan food I yeah didn't know anyone from Taiwan. I actually really didn't know much about Taiwan at all. I knew it yeah. was we kind of near China. I didn't know whether it yeah. was we part of China, right? I knew nothing. Yeah. And I guess that Eric sums up the whole journey. You know, the whole journey is just so crazy. It's yeah. like a roller coaster. You really right when you think, Yep, we're approved, we know what we're getting. We sort of had visions of our three little Filipino children that were mm-hmm. coming home and yep. suddenly we get this phone call and it doesn't happen very often, but in this particular case, it was a child from a complex background with complex needs and um, at the time I was studying nursing and for the previous five years of our adoption journey, we had been fostering really high-needs kids. So we'd, mm. we had fostered 55 children by that stage.
2: Wow.
3: Many of
1: whom wow. had complex physical and mental health needs
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, somehow or other it had landed on our social worker's desk uh, a story of our son who happened to be in Taiwan mm-hmm. he wasn't in the philippines so god knew even when we didn't mm-hmm. and it wasn't three children it was one but i often say that in those first few months after bringing him home it was like having three children <laughs> so he was a, a little pocket rocket that had three personalities you know wrapped up in in one little person so mm-hmm. God had different plans, as He often does, you know. The Bible talks about how we can make our own plans, but His plans will will be greater and, and bigger, and it was our son. So, yeah, straight away, our entire adoption journey changed very quickly.
2: Yeah, and, and speaking of the Bible, there was a verse that really helped you through this all?
1: Absolutely, Eric. So, when we very first began the journey of adoption, I remember I had a, a beautiful, old-fashioned blackboard with a wooden frame around it and I picked up the Bible one day and a verse that really stood out to me was Isaiah forty three five and it says, Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west and for some reason that really just spoke to me about adoption, just saying that, you know, you have to sit and be still and don't be afraid through the whole journey, which you know many times to be honest, despite my desire for my whole life to adopt Even for me, there was many times in the adoption journey where we would hit one hurdle after another Mm. or it just got too hard. And I would actually say to my husband, I don't think I want to keep going. You know, we Mm. were fostering at the time. I was enjoying mothering all these children and I was actually getting exhausted. Even with my desire and my faith, it was, you know, financially, it takes an enormous toll. It's a really tough process that a lot of people don't survive. A lot of people pull out. And I did find myself many times... Saying to my husband, I, I don't think I want to keep going. You know, they'd come back and ask yet another intrusive question that really makes you delve deep into your heart and soul and it can be really challenging.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And um, it was actually him. It was actually Ronnie who, after you know him being the one for 10 years of saying no, he doesn't want to adopt, he was the one that was like, no, we are doing this. He, he stood firm in his faith and knowledge that we did have children that were waiting for us. And, you know, I hung this Bible verse up in my kitchen And I would look at it every single day and I just hung on to that, that, you know, God had obviously planted a seed from a young child because I I knew nothing about adoption. So it could not have come from anywhere else except for the fact that when I was born, I was born with that Mm, seed inside me that Mm -hmm. I was to adopt one day and that my children were in the east and they were waiting for me.
2: Yeah, in the east, even, even down to the geographic location.
1: Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And we had no idea was it Africa? You know, was it, we didn't know, but that was the Bible verse that stood out that just hung there. And I I think I looked at it every day and it was amazing because it really did, it just kept me going. And I then kept it up, you know, right through the second and I still have it now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been 13 years since we began the process of our first adoption. And I still have that blackboard and I still smile every time I look at it because, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't know exactly where our children were coming from. But our children came from Taiwan, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's faith, absolutely, that has to get you through that entire journey, because it is a journey that will rock you and mm-hmm. shake you, and if you're not strong in your faith and strong in your marriage and strong in your family and strong in you know, who you are and your values, it will shake you enough that you'll, I think, pull out of yeah. the process yeah. and
2: just stop. Wow. So, you hung in there, you kept faithful, that verse encouraging you through it all, but yet after one child, after all that, you decided to adopt another child. Tell us about that.
1: We did, Eric. So as I said earlier, we had always wanted, I sort of thought, with three biological children, it wasn't fair to then just have one child who was obviously going to look and be different to the biological kids. So I think we felt it strongly on our heart that if we were going to be having a, a child who was altogether different, it was important for them to have you know, at least a sibling Mm -hmm. that was similar to them as well and also Mm -hmm. came from a a similar set of circumstances. So originally we were hoping to do it all in once. We sort of had this little cookie cutter idea of three biological and then a sibling group of three from the Philippines and we'd be all done. But as I said, God had other plans and we um, had brought home our son. And yeah, that first year was, it was tough, but it was amazing. And we knew then that Taiwan obviously was where our our children were. Uh, Mm -hmm. We fell in love with Taiwan. We fell in love with the culture and and the amazing agency that we adopted through in Taiwan was a a beautiful Christian agency Mm -hmm. um, set up by beautiful American people who had a real heart for mission work and working with children with pretty complex backgrounds. And Mm -hmm. when we'd been home with our son for 12 months, you were then allowed to begin the process of adoption again once your first child had been home for 12 months. So, on the very day that he was home for 12 months, I actually made a call to our social worker and she said to me, it's 12 months, isn't it? You're ready to apply again? Because she knew that we would be applying the oh, minute wow. that we had been home. She
2: just for knew your months. heart.
1: Absolutely. And she knew that we didn't want to just have one child. Mm-hmm. We needed him to have a sibling that was from the same complex background that he mm-hmm. was from, from the same country. And, um, you know, we were all super excited. We knew what to expect. And, you know, the first journey was a six-year journey. And... um Thankfully, the second, it certainly wasn't. I often get people saying to me, was it easier or was it cheaper or was it anything, you know, the second time? It was none of those. It was, you know, in fairness, obviously, to the process, you have to go through the whole process Mm -hmm. again in the same way that you would had it been your first adoption. So Mm -hmm. all the same checks, the same, everything the same. But I think it was a little easier the second time in some ways because we did know what to expect. And praise God from the... um, moment we applied to bringing our beautiful little girl home it was three years instead of six years so Mm -hmm. it was a vastly shorter journey still a long time but um as a whole family including our son from taiwan we got to go over to um taiwan two years ago this week actually that we went and we picked her up just in time for christmas and Mm -hmm. brought her home which ended up being almost the exact time three years later that we'd um picked up our son so both of our kids came home Right before Christmas, huh. and um, we now have two beautiful children who are now 12 and 9, both from Taiwan, and, you know, it's just incredible.
2: Do you know what their life would have been like if they hadn't come into your family?
1: It's hard to say, Eric. Obviously, yeah. um, you know, the, the Taiwan, like many countries, is full of children's homes that are just full of children who... Yeah, unfortunately in countries like Taiwan there is a lot of stigma around these children. Obviously the first preference for the Taiwan government is to place these children, you know, with a family member or if not a family member, a local family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, often children in countries like China and Taiwan have got backgrounds which the local people don't consider to be acceptable. There mm-hmm. is you know, there is a big stigma around a lot of certain things and culturally they just won't adopt mm-hmm. these children. So mm-hmm. You know, hence why they look out to other countries where, you know, we don't have that same stigma associated. And Mm -hmm. our children can also come here and begin a new life. Yeah. You know, I often often say it's like being baptized in Christ. You know, the old is gone and we're a new creation in Mm -hmm. God. And it reminds me a little, obviously, our children will always be, you know, Taiwanese born and that's their heritage. And we really encourage and celebrate that.
3: But, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, I love with inter-country adoption that it doesn't matter what background our children have come from or what what they would be associated with in their own country once they come to Australia and they're in our family. They're a whole new creation. You know, Mm -hmm, the old is gone and and they're not associated with any of those things before. So our children have a new, wonderful life. They both live, we live on a beautiful property. They're surrounded by animals. They're at the beach every weekend in summer. They've got, you know, there's five amazing kids and they've been adopted into this family. And like our three biological children, they're, you know, They're a Hayden. They're one of us, and this is their life. This is who they are.
2: That's fantastic. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but what would you say has been the most rewarding part of the whole adoption journey?
1: Oh, Eric, there's so many things, but I think for me, just seeing how your family, you know, your immediate family and and friends and other people around can. Just take these kids, you know, regardless of the background, even at the age of six, both of our children were not adopted until the age of six, like so mm-hmm. six long years spent in yeah. the children's home waiting for someone to bring them home. And I yeah. think I remember my son saying to me one day when he'd, both of them came home also, Eric, without a word of English. And it wasn't oh, yeah. long after our son got home. And, um, you know, he said to me what took you so long to get me? You know, this is in translation. What took you so long to come and get me? And I said, oh, you know, we have to wait six years. It was so hard for us. And I started talking about what a long, hard journey. And he just looked at me and he said, you think that six years was long for you? He said, imagine what it was like for me. Wow. And it just made me realize, you know, it just summed it up perfectly that every child deserves the fear of a family. No mm-hmm. child deserves to spend their life in an orphanage
3: Yeah.
1: without a mom and a dad and siblings and a home to care for them and you know, consistent love and care, and for me, that's what adoption is. That's, that's why we do it. You know, our children are as much our children as our biological kids. Mm-hmm. They're part of a family. They're part of a new life. They know God. They love God. From now on, forever, they have a forever family. Mm-hmm. You know, their family yep. tree has been grafted onto ours,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that's their new life, their new creation.
2: And I see photos on Facebook of your biological children and your adopted children. They look like they're getting along fine.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's nothing but love there. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's been absolutely beautiful. I have, as I said, quite a a large age gap, you know, from 23, my eldest, Chloe, right down to nine. And it's funny because, as you would have seen on Facebook, Eric, my eldest daughter and my youngest daughter, despite there being, you know, such a large age gap, they are like twins. It's quite amazing. Again, only God could, you know, with sense of humor, bringing... This little girl from across the other side of the world, who is so like our eldest in so many ways, and they have the exact same interests, and huh. you know they are That's just the best of friends, attached at the hip. They are always yeah. together, always doing the same things, and you know only God. It's just it is amazing. So it's been beautiful to watch
3: yeah.
1: our other children just embrace these children as their own siblings, yeah, and advocate and fight for them, no matter what. And, you know, just watching, you know, watching how a family, a family can be formed in so many ways, and we're proof of that, Mm -hmm. and it's just absolutely beautiful to see, and and, and as a witness to other people. Mm -hmm.
2: And tell us about your adopted children. Has faith been a part of their lives?
1: Absolutely. Since coming home, it it certainly has, Eric. Obviously, we're a family who go to church every Sunday, and and that's a big part of our life, and, you know, that's become our kids' normal, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. It's it's been, yeah, something that they've been, you know, obviously gotten used to. Our son absolutely loves God. He is really keen to be the first in children's church to answer the questions. He's, he's hungry for knowledge. Wow. Um, he's a real little prayer. Everybody says that, you know, if they want prayer for something, they'll go and ask him because oh, he loves, beautiful. loves praying for yeah. people and is very actively involved in praying for other kids at church, which is just beautiful. Um, our little girl who's been home for you know only two years this week and obviously when they first come home there is no English whatsoever so the first few months is, mm-hmm. is learning to communicate with them and teaching them English um, mm-hmm. but she adores going to you know kids church she has a Bible beside her bed and she loves sitting there reading and you know it's really hungry to learn and loves, loves reading and learning about children's Bible stories so both of the kids have got a real hunger for God and love learning about him and love talking about him so we're very blessed to to have five kids who yeah are actively involved in church
2: sarah hayden thank you so much for sharing your adoption journey with us today
1: my absolute pleasure eric it's been wonderful to talk to you again thank you so much for having me